Hi, everyone. Welcome to Borderless Sustainability, where we explore the diverse relationship between people, planet, and profit, discover how language, geography, and culture impact sustainability, and ultimately aim to create change through knowledge. My name is Miguel Fraga. And my name is Elisa Rivera. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about what do we mean when we say people, planet, and profit? How does that relate to sustainability? And what does it have to do? Why does it matter? And of course, Elisa and I, we're going to be talking a little bit more about ourselves so we can understand more of our context, our background, and how how the heck we got involved in sustainability. So Elisa, how's, how's your day going? How's everything going with you? Doing great, Miguel. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Doing great, you know, here, working <laughs> from home. Normal day since March, basically. Like, I've been starting to talking to my plants. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel what like happens? I'm <laughs> I'm feeling becoming that crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Miguel, actually, I wanted to start off by asking you a question that I was thinking about the other day. What? what made you become more environmentally conscious? Like, what was that first first event or thing or person? Well, I think it all started back in 2015. I, I think like it sounds like like we're going back in like in a <laughs> like in a movie and when it goes like back in 2015. <laughs> uh, but in 2015, I was um, lucky. I was I had the wonderful opportunity of participating in a. Um, like a study abroad opportunity with uh, UTEP, with the University of Texas at El Paso, where they took us to Peru. And it was a wonderful experience because the whole program program was around sustainability. And that's the first time I was ever exposed to even the word sustainability and more of an uh, international scenario. So when we were working on that, we had different, our final projects were different. Um, some of them were related to outreach, education, some of them about pollution. And that's when I started learning more about what encompassed to become more environmentally conscious about your um, supply chain choices as a business person or even as a consumer, what you buy and all the products and materials of everything you use. For example, my project was about um, school furniture and how it was um, made from sustainable wood. I've never thought about the furniture in my home, whether whether it's sustainable wood, and that 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 that's starting that that's what started the conversation on sustainability, and that's when I started to become more more conscious about it. And that's only when when it comes environmentally. Later on, I started discovering more about social and economic aspects of sustainability. But how about you? When did you start to become more environmentally conscious? Well, you know, to transition off the that, you know, the year that you mentioned, 2015, that's so recent, you know, um, whereas like we're relatively young, right, um, and, and how we're barely just starting to get exposed to like these concepts, maybe these behaviors. Um, I share a similar experience in the, the fact that I, it's recent, my experience with sustainability, like environmentally speaking, I um, started my, I guess, my knowledge or my background probably in 2018 when I joined the organization um, that we both shared in common Miguel at the time, um, ESW. Good times. <laughs> Good times, right? <laughs> um, and we started that project, Project Delta. Um, 
that's the, the time that I realized at the university, there was no really like an established recycling program. And, you know, I'm talking about a, a university that has over 60 buildings on campus and ho- that hosts approximately like 24,500 students. That's an insane amount of students walking in and out. That's like a lot of traffic. That's a lot of material, a lot of waste that is not being properly, in my opinion, disposed of, right? And so mm-hmm. just the fact that we, we don't have an established system on campus for such a big campus kind of got me thinking, why is that happening or what, what what's the, it, you know? And so when I started to tackle that problem with the rest of the students in the team, I, you know, I started to like really get engaged in like the, the possibilities of just show, like, us students showing interest in like making that change, making that system happen, like developing it, designing it, um, and how easy it could actually be to solve such a big problem in a larger community. So from there, just seeing how my my independent action and then other students' independent action can make a change. That's when I was like, okay, like I have to start starts really stepping into into this world of sustainability. And that's very interesting because YouTube is a huge school. I mean, it has 25,000 students, approximately like 23,000, 25,000-ish, and not having a recycling program. I mean, I, I, I that brings back so many memories of what we were trying to do. And, and thankfully, some of those initiatives are, are still ongoing on campus. And um, I don't know about you, right? But <laughs> those were my my first like actual hands-on experiences on sustainability when it comes to um, that organization. Just for listeners, <laughs> that's called Engineers for a Sustainable World. We, um, Elise and I, and the rest of the team with amazing um, officers that we had at the time, and they're still amazing. The other ones, right? But the the founding officers that we we hosted, we created that chapter. That YouTube chapter chapter was such a wonderful. Um, memories, wonderful time for me in college, but that was my first hands-on experience in sustainability, and that was basically my first impression of sustainability firsthand that I was actually doing something, that I was seeing the result, not just studying it or presenting about it. I mean, we did several projects, Elisa, um, and Elisa was the project manager for all of these projects, and she did a wonderful job because we even did um, two international projects, two international sustainability projects. And we were learning about sustainability, guys. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about uh, your first impressions of sustainability or your experience as a project manager of international projects, Elisa. You took us to Puerto Rico and the Philippines. What the heck? Well, definitely. I mean, that was only possible, Miguel, under your guidance, honestly, like, <laughs> you were a great person. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I, I just, my first impression of sustainability, it definitely revolved around being like green, being eco-friendly, you know, uh, saving the earth. And, and definitely those are very important things. But in reality, it is so much more complex and involved in our everyday lives. And so, I mean, my first impression is obviously like, do what I can with what I have, right? So, um, like those opportunities, for example, you didn't mention the rainwater harvesting system that that we collected, right? Those are utilities that we see or that could be used, you know, month-to-month basis. Or in the Philippines, the water filtration systems, like that's an everyday utility. And then um, 
in Puerto Rico, the reconstruction of a bridge using already material that was laid out and, you know, just needed to be resurfaced, reconstructed, right? Um, those are, those are like tasks that are sustainable in nature, right? And, and definitely needed our attention. So yeah, I would also agree. That's definitely like my first experience or just impression um, in sustainability. What about you, Miguel? (laughs) This was a wonderful experience because we were just learning as we were going and building. So I thought that was so amazing because like before I learned about what sustainability, like my the first thing that comes to mind, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate to this. When someone says sustainability, people think, oh, the environment, oh, plant more trees, save the planet, which it, it, in some sense, it is part of it. It's part of sustainability. It is. It encompasses that. But that's not it. I mean, people think sustainability and then think about the green peas. They think about um, it, some people even think about hippies. I don't know. I mean, everyone has their own definition, right? But that was my first impression is those environmentalists that are very aggressive and all of that. And and that's not the real case. I mean, when we were uh, working on this, we started to realize that it was way more than that. We were studying it as we were doing it and learning because we were in college. We were college students, right? And um, that's when I started to realize that sustainability, it's, it's encompassed by basically three, um, three spheres, which are environmental sustainability, social sustainability, and economic sustainability. So those three main items, picture them as um, circles. And when they join, that's sustainability. When you take care of the environmental issues and you encompass all the social issues as well as the economic issues, that's when you have achieved sustainability. Not just because you planted something doesn't mean you're achieving sustainability. You need to think about whether the people wanted that tree planted in their private property or if that tree itself is native to the area. I mean, not all trees are inherently good whenever you plant them or wherever you plant them. I mean, here in the desert, we're going to have we cannot have mangoes. We cannot have avocados. Those are tropical trees, and we do not have tropical weather. And that's an, a, an interesting aspect of it. Also, it's an economic aspect of it. I mean, it's taking advantage of all the resources that we have, not just spend, spend, spend. So that's what I started learning about that. And that's what people, planet, and profit mean. People, it's a social aspect of sustainability. Planet is environmental aspect of sustainability and profit, of course, is the economic aspect of it. So whenever you make a project and you and you want to say it's sustainable, you need to take into consideration the people you're affecting, the planet we're living in, and the profit that it will create or will av- or the expenses that will it will avoid. And at least I remember you you had a lot of struggles with that, or like we had a lot of challenges with incorporating that with our projects because. Um, some of them had a uh, language barriers. Like for example, when you went to the Philippines, um, they slip, they 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 talk their own dialects there, and that was a hard, an interesting part, an, a hard aspect of the project. Because when I went, I mean, I, I can go over, and, <laughs> I can go on and on about the projects, right? Because I love those projects. But um, even when we went to Puerto Rico, at least I remember that first um, in January. I think it was twenty seven. 2018 when we went 2018 2018 I mean it was a whole different scenario because it was 
a little bit after, right after the Hurricane Maria, and we were just talking with people about how devastated their cult, their community was, and that was very impactful to me. I mean, we come us, I can, well, I can speak of myself. I mean, I come from a privileged place. I mean, I, I, I'm thankful I have a house. We don't have a lot of environmental issues here where, where I am, where we're, where safety, where shelter can be in danger. So getting to know that aspect of them and being empathetic and learning about that really helped more, um, more the project to understand even more what, what's our role in that. I don't know what, what, what was your experience when we went there and when we were learning about that? Definitely agree with you. Um, It it was a huge shock, obviously, when when I go to any kind of community that I'm not at all familiar with. Um, And, and, you know, just applying the three pillars that you mentioned, social, economic, and environmental um, uh, aspects of sustainability, it's, it's their key, right? You have to know how to be social and environmental in, in environmentally aspects as well, you know, like environmental law, public involvement, reporting and publishing, like those are in, involved in sustainability or energy efficiency, mm-hmm. um, business ethics, like everything is, is interlinked. And so definitely having like a background helps when you do go into these like diverse communities or places you're just not you're not yet exposed to and you have to learn about to help, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now we're talking about the people, planet, profit. Um, and now that we have that experience and talk a little bit more about what we've worked in the past, how can you explain, like even to a six-year-old, I mean, how can we summarize what environmental sustainability, what social sustainability, and what economic sustainability is. Like, what do you think or what what have you learned, Elisa? Let, let's let's do it like that because, guys, we're not experts on this. I mean, we may be professionals. We're engineers. We have our training. I am a sustainability professional, and Elisa, of course, has worked in sustainability projects throughout her career. But um, we are not the gurus on sustainability in the nation. I mean, we're learning, guys, with you. And we're just sharing our knowledge and our experiences. So, Elisa, what have you learned about what environmental sustainability is? I mean, is it just you can only talk about trees and planting or what what environmental sustainability is? I think environmental sustainability is like resource management, um, environmental protection, uh, habitat restoration and preservation, you know, just simply examples would be that come to mind like solar and wind power um, or like our harvesting project, but definitely it, it could be much more than that, right? Like I said, like resource, resource management. Um, yeah, I, I, in my experience so far, that's how I would <laughs> talk about it. Cool, cool, cool. And I don't know about you, Elisa, but I struggled a lot for, I want, I want to say a couple of years understanding what social sustainability is right i mean I, I, do you did you happen to have the same issues as me like learning what that meant yes and i feel like i still have the same issue <laughs> to be very honest with you and that's so cool about sustainability because it's still a topic being researched and that's 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 oh, I, i just love research in general i mean we 
the, the moment we realize that all the things that we don't know, we start to humble ourselves because there's so much that we don't know. So, okay. So I did a little bit more research about social sustainability and always before even researching this, my example of social sustainability was always the same. It's uh, this example of this community. I believe it was in Africa or like an African country over there. Then this, um, this, this organization went to help them, this community get access to clean water by adding this system that carries the water from this kind of like hill. And they would just carry down by force of gravity, everything. So it's cheap, easy, like an like a quote unquote sustainable solution. However, they realized that even when the system was working, the water was clean, um, the women on the family were still going up the hill and carrying water in buckets to the families. So what they didn't do, they didn't do a lot of her, their research when they were doing this, is that it was a cultural thing that a woman, if it showed that it can carry the water, it, it had this like cultural connotation that she was strong enough to be the wife and mother and a woman of the household. So it, it was it was not the issue was not that they were, they were not able to get the water. You know what I mean? I mean, it was a whole thing that even they had that for free, it was cultural for them to bring the water. And for us, it might not make sense because it is not our culture. But for them, it was important to show to the rest of the community that the woman or that specific woman from the family was able to have that. So after doing my research, it, it was kind of kind of related to that, but more... Um, more detailed, social sustainability encompasses meeting human needs when it comes to environmental projects, economic projects, or whatever project you do, that you are meeting the human needs. And it reminds me, I don't know if all of us has um, had this topic passed um, in, I think I saw it in high school. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it in high school, like the beginning of high school, about the Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs. And that's when you talk about different human needs that we have. Some of them, they're not from Maslow's, but someone else did another research on social sustainability. And that person said that most of the needs in order for, to achieve social sustainability include subsistence, which means the food, whatever you need to actually survive, like water, food. Protection, we do need shelter uh, for the weather and all of that. Participation, as a community, we always want to be involved like not even if you're introvert or extrovert, you always want to be involved on the decisions happening around your home, your community, your school, whatever it's involved around you. Understanding, that's on a human need. Affection, idleness. And by idleness, this individual means that leisure time, basically, that we want to have time that's for us, whether it's going to a concert or a hobby, gardening, things like that. Creation, we all have this um, need of create something. Could be cooking, could be painting, kind of like that uh, right part of our brain, right? Um, identity, we always we want to be ident identified as something, right? Or someone, like I want to be identified as an engineer or I want to be like your personality, basically, and freedom. We don't want to be um, told what to do, when to do it. Those are some of the needs that social sustainability encompass. And the thing is that how can we achieve these needs with less amount of resources in a sustainable manner? 
For example, for idleness, let's say we want to go to a concert. How can we make it easier for a group of friends to go to, to go to a concert to meet their idleness and their affection needs because they're and their participation because they're in a group with less resources? For example, not using as many cars. How can we help a group of five, eight people go to a concert and not use so many cars? It's, that means protecting the environment, not so many pollutants, things like that. So those those specific things, like how can we achieve these needs without using many resources? I don't know if that, that sounds clear or if I, <laughs> or I confuse uh, yourself even more or myself even more. What, what do you think, Elisa? No, I think that was a perfect example for exactly what we're talking about right now. You know, um, thank you for bringing that up. Um, and just to carry on with that same conversation, why do you think, and this might be a little redundant to ask, but it's definitely important that I get this like statement from you. Like, why do you think sustainability matters in your experience? I mean, I think sustainability matters because if we don't plan for sustainability, we are just expecting doom. I mean, we're, our whole society, it's not going to be existing as we know it or as we want it. Sustainability matters. And I think one of the key issues here is selfishness. Because I do I do believe, I firmly believe that if you're a true believer of sustainability and you do it, you will not see the results of your efforts. It will be your kids or your grandkids in the future or the kids of your kids. Because that's what sustainability is. Like, if I'm selfish enough to say that I want to use my resources now, I don't care because I'm going to be dead in 50, 60 years. I don't care about what happens after that. I mean, I think that's selfish. So sustainability matters because I want a good future, a good healthy future for my kids, for my grandkids, for the kids of my grandkids. Like I want that for them. Then I, and I, I think that's why sustainability matters. I don't know. I don't know what you think. Yeah. I, Definitely my belief and my ideas align really well with yours. I think we need to redesign in a creative way our way of life uh, in order to sustain a better habitable environment for generations to come, like you were saying, so that we may continue to advance human knowledge and growth, which is what I think is like our purpose here on Earth is to increase our our understanding of how the world works and then advance human knowledge in ways we didn't know it worked. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, well said, Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> so Elisa, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word, like the phrase economic sustainability? Mm, you know, I think like the term and then I relate it to the economy. I'm thinking like cost savings and then, cost of living or smart growth, you know, um, like economically how we can profit off like technology that is smart and uh, in a way also like, for example, energy efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. That's sustainable because it's environmentally friendly and like economically a good choice. Um, Carbon credits, things like that. Um, what about you? <laughs> what do you think? Kind of like the same um, that you were saying that that was w- what uh, my first impression of economic sustainability um, 
means. But after doing some more research about that, it's not it's not only about that. I mean, of course, it encompasses that. But then I found this paper that talks about the different indicators of economic sustainability. And then it was a, a very interesting discussion that I like um, about re revolving about the GDP. So right now, economic welfare in a lot of countries, well, in, in basically every country around the world, it's measured by its GDP, which is the gross, gross, gross domestic product. And what GDP measures is the monetary value of the final goods and services. So it's basically just the money, money, money value of it. However, this paper was talking about how GDP, it's not the most sustainable way to measure economic welfare on a sustainability manner. So it started thinking like, then what's the best way to like measure economic sustainability? And then this person lays down um, some indicators of economic sustainability, such as the income distribution, because this person made some graphs that up for the United States, because the United States is the, is the is a state, is the country with the highest GDP. However, since up to 1960s, the GDP and another indicator for sustainability for sustainability growth were the same. They were having the same um, track. However, after 1960s, when the industrialization became more and a lot of machines and everything and pollution started to grow because of all these machines, cars become more popular, um, GDP continued growing. However, the um, economic sustainability indicators were going the other way. But the thing that was still growing with GDP was the unequal income distribution. So basically rich people are getting richer and poor people are getting poorer. Other indicators of economic sustainability include the cost of underemployment, the loss of leisure time, the value of the households, the value of the volunteer time, the value of higher education. And one of my favorite ones would be like the cost of water, air, and noise pollution. You can, you, you can put an econ a dollar amount to the cost of pollution and of course the loss of forests. And I thought that was so freaking interesting because um, that's what they mean by economic sustainability, put, um, placing a dollar value to all of these issues or situations that are happening around us. Like when we can quantify the impact of the loss of the forest and open spaces, we can make a case on how that project or that problem made us not sustainable. Like, let's say we want to make a development of a multiplex or some other type of developments on urban development. If it's not made the right way and incorporating these indicators as well as the social environmental indicators, it will not be sustainable, even though it makes a lot of profit. So that that that's that's what I learned about economic sustainability. So when we have those three together, that's a sustainable project. So let's say, let's talk about the same example that I gave about this um, development. Let's say uh, um, apartments, a multi-use apartments when you can have um, stores. Like, I don't know if you've seen those apartments, Elisa, where um, mixed-use apartments, when at the bottom, it's like kind of like Montesillo here in El Paso, when on the bottom you have like restaurants, like businesses, and the top is the restaurants. That's, um, imagine that putting in, in a place. And then when you put that, you can create jobs on those businesses. So that's kind of like economic aspect. You have more people working there. You're doing that. However, in that development, 
development, if you're addressing a social issue of people wanting to cover their leisure or their idleness, the protection because you're offering shelter and if you have subsistence opportunities for them, kind of like a grocery store or something like that, that's when it starts to become more social, social sustainable. However, when you start that development and you incorporate natural resources such as open spaces and you or you strategically place that location or, or you zone it in a way that wildlife, pollinators, uh, rivers, ponds, whatever the case may be, are part of the development and not just an accessory of it or just an extension of it. Um, that's when it comes sustainable. When you have when you incorporate those three things, so that that happens a lot when they just make a development and they don't really take much into consideration the environmental resources. So yeah, that that's an example of how those three are combined. I know I can go on and go on and on about this, right? But but I I, I really like talking about that. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Definitely. Thank you, Miguel. <laughs> I mean, these are I'm I'm learning as as you're like speaking about all of this. You never shared this with me before. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We're all we're all learning, at least like we're we're yes. we're all learning. Definitely. Perfect. So now now going back to what you said before, yes. um, let's talk a little more about the podcast structure so we can let everyone know that it's not going to be only you and me talking boring to death, everyone else listening to us. I'm sorry, guys, if I'm boring, not my intention to be boring, but I promise you guys, we have, a, we have good, good, good plans. Definitely. So our plans include having some guest speakers in our podcast. And these are going to be, of course, notable people uh, from across the world, really. We don't want to limit it just to the to where we're located. Um, and obviously, because we're borderless, <laughs> sustainability, <laughs> we're definitely trying to incorporate people from multiple parts um, of the world. And, you know, um, this is going to be hopefully something that we do um, throughout this this upcoming year and something that we want to do once a week um, or once every other week as time allows. Of course, trying to keep hold of what holidays in the way, um, but we're definitely going to be um, putting out what, what we plan to to do for the respective dates of the month. I don't know, me. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're so, we're, we're, you're very excited. I mean, this project is just about sharing. I mean, like I said, we're not experts. We just want to share with everyone. And we want to be a platform of people sharing their stories. So I'm very excited. We have some, um, a lot of people on, um, on hold, not on hold, I'm online, in line, that we really, we're going to be interviewing. And I'm very happy. I'm very proud of our work, Lisa, because this, this I wish when I was a when I was a college student I really wish I knew more about this. I really wish that I learned more about Definitely. what the what my community was doing, what what is going on. I, I I didn't know much about nonprofits when I was a college student. I know that's on me, but I'm very happy of giving this platform to executive directors, presidents, volunteers to just talk about all the wonderful efforts that are going on here in the border region and of course internationally we're so excited because we're gonna have speakers that are not even from this continent and um i'm i'm, I'm just excited and, and another thing that we're very excited lisa and i is that 
we're going to be doing some podcasts in Spanish, like completely in Spanish. So if you are um, a little bit rusty on your Spanish, we promise you we're going to be um, talking a bit slow, <laughs> and, but you can learn with us. I mean, we're going to be just talking about what's, what's better than learning about learning Spanish at the same time as you're learning sustainability, Lisa. How yeah. is that? It's impossible. Nothing. <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> No, I mean, yeah, I, we definitely want to have some unique twist to our podcast. Um, you know, hopefully not even just Spanish. We get, maybe we can think outside the box and <laughs> invite someone else out there. We're also will be lost at the same time. You know, why not? <laughs> why not? Right. Why not? You know, that's, that's something that, that I've learned a lot, Elisa, as we were working on at college at this all of this project, is that we set our own limits. I mean, we are self-rejecting a lot of times and like, you know what, like every, anything's possible. I've learned that, that anything's possible. Like there's always a way to make things possible. So that's that's my word of advice for today. Like do not self-reject because anything, like if, if I want to, if I know I set my mind to learn Turkish or Italian by next year, I know I can do it. It's only me setting, self-rejecting myself or putting my own limitations in front of me. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely my favorite quote. It's like the only limit that exists is the limit that one places on themselves. And that's a fact. I like, that's the way I feel about it anyway. Well, okay. So I I think we were clear on today's episode about what people, planet, and profit means. How is that related to sustainability? And why sustainability matters on our own um, on our own minds. So thank you everyone for listening to today's episode. We really appreciate your time and support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting us in this project. Um, please share with your friends. Follow us on social media and we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. You can follow us at, at borderless.sustainability. And if you have any questions or you have any recommendations, just shoot us an email. We're constantly checking it. It's borderlesssustainability at gmail.com. I know you want to add something else, Elisa. Oh, excellent. Excellently said, um, Miguel. I completely, I completely agree. Thank you. We're grateful for the support that we receive already. And we're looking forward to what's to come. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. And see you next time on our second episode at Borderless Sustainability. Have a wonderful day. And thank you. Bye.